sermon or this um, series called Living by Faith. God is glorified when we live by faith. How many of you know that? God has called us as believers to walk by faith, not by sight, not by what we see, but to live by faith. And, uh, you know, that's the only way we can really please God. It's without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So anybody who comes to God must believe that He is, and He's a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So in living by faith, I'm a diligent seeker. I'm seeking God with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, my strength. I'm seeking God with all my heart. Amen. And He rewards that. How many of you want to be rewarded in life? God is a rewarder. He won't forget your, your labor. He won't forget how you draw. He's, I was telling somebody last night how God's a good checker player. He won't move if it's your turn. Draw near to him, he draws near to you. Yeah. Amen. So living by faith, let's look at it. Number one, we must commit ourselves to live by faith. It's a decision that I make. Every day, all day long, I'm making quality faith decisions. I'm stepping out on what I believe more than what I see, what I feel, what I hear, what I taste, you know, what's in the natural realm. I'm stepping out on God's word and declaring his word has the final authority in my life. Amen, somebody. Amen. I give his word final authority, not drama or mess or whatever's going on in my situation. He will clean it up. He will fix it up because I keep my mouth shut about the drama, and I keep myself focused on Him and focused on His Word. So we got to commit ourselves. It's a commitment that I make to live by faith. I'm not going to live that old raggedy way I used to live. Amen? My life is not my own. He has the right to tell me what to do. Hallelujah! He carried that cross for you. He died on that cross for you. Amen? And when we, when we say yes to the cross and all that it entails, when we say yes to that, you're not your own anymore. You don't belong to yourself anymore. You belong to Him. The Bible says you've been bought with a price. You've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Jesus Christ. So you're not your own anymore. So I've, I've got to commit myself to live by faith. 2 Corinthians 5 7 says, For we walk by and not by sight. Let's look at our definition for faith again as we're in this series. We want to keep hearing it over and over so that it gets in our, in our, in our faith system. Faith is assurance. It's belief, trust. Faith is a supernatural power of God made available to me so that I can transform conditions, circumstances, and situations based on the will of God. God has set us here as his partners in the earth for however long we are here on the earth to live. Me born in 1963 until the day I die, I'm here to live by faith and to declare the goodness of God and to, to show forth who God is, to transform conditions, trans change situations, to be the, 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 the mind of God in this stretch of time. He's, he's chosen you to be here for such a time as this, to have the mind of God. In your situations. And to see things change. He put you here for a purpose. And it's to walk by faith. So it's up to us to be his partners. And to transform conditions and circumstances. By using our faith. Number two. Now faith comes. Uh, now faith comes from right now hope. And assurance. Now faith. Now faith. You can't live on yesterday's faith. You gotta have new faith, fresh yeah. faith, fresh word. You gotta be saturated in the word. So you are in now faith. I'm up on my subject. In other words, I've been studying the word of God on what's going on with me, what's going on in my life.
life? What's going on in the people's lives around me? I'm ready with an answer. You know how God will just speak stuff to you and you're like, I don't know why I'm hearing this. That's really cool. And then later on, you'll meet up with somebody and they need exactly what God just laid on you. So sometimes it's not just about you, but we want to stay tuned up with him so we're ready with an answer to somebody who needs it. God put us here to do it, not Dr. Phil or Oprah, right? But we have the answers from God. Hallelujah. So i got to have some right now faith. And right now faith comes from being um, in his word. So we can't live on yesterday's faith, but we got to have right now hope. Right now faith. Hebrews 11 one says, now faith. Now faith is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. So number three, anything is possible if we can believe. Anything is possible. Anything is possible. We saw Jesus do the impossible. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil. He walked on water. He did things that would seemingly be impossible. But when we, when we believe him, the impossible becomes possible. So anything is possible if we can believe. Mark 9, 23. If you can believe, some things are possible to him who believes. What does it say? All things are possible to him who believes. So the all things is God's part, right? The possibility is God's part. The believing is my part. I just have to believe that what God said is true. We have to honor his word and believe that his word doesn't return to him void. But it goes out and accomplishes the thing that he sent it for. It will not return to him void. Amen. Alright, Matthew 9, 29. It says, according to your faith will it be done to you. So God deals with us according to our faith. New Living Translation. Because of your because of your tears, it will happen? No. Because of your pitiful situation, it will happen? Because it's all jacked up, God will feel sorry for you, it'll happen? No. Because of your faith, it will happen. So some of you need to quit. Just dry, cry your last tear. Cry your last tear. Get over it, build a bridge, and get over it. You're like, Pastor Ellie, you're being kind of hard. Yeah, I've had to build a bridge myself many times and get over it. I've had to have a talk with myself just to get myself out of the bed. I've had to swing my legs out of the bed and stand up in the ashes of what was left of my life. And let me tell you, God never let me miss a beat. But I chose to say to myself, you can't cry right now, you can cry later. Get up and bust the move and do what you got to do to get yourself in faith. And then I hear the Spirit of God say to me, um, I prepared the hearts of the people to follow you. So I had to get up and go lead. If God had called people to, for, for, to follow me, that meant I had to get up and go lead. Whether I wanted to be in depression, whether I wanted to be sad, you ain't got time to be depressed. You ain't got time to be sad. You got to quit crying, cry your last tear, and get up and say, come on, let me move towards God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So because of your faith, it will happen. Not because it's not because you're sad. Not because your situation is pitiful. You can be pitiful or powerful, but you can't be both. First John 5, 4 says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that's overcome the world, our faith. So it's time to get up and to get in faith. Amen? Because I'm going to overcome. Jesus has already deprived it of power to harm me. So I'm going to coming through this thing. I might, have to walk, I might have to walk through my tears, but just keep walking. Amen? All right, New Living Translation. For every child of God defeats this evil world. And we achieve this victory through what? Crying. Through crying. Through depression. Through anxiety. No, we, we achieve this victory.
victory through our faith, choosing to believe God and go through the faith process. So look, here's the faith process. I thought I'd put it down for you. The faith, faith process starts with hearing, right? Yeah. you got to hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And if you hear it, you believe it. Faith comes. I believe it when I hear it. And then it goes to asking. You, you, you hear it, you believe it, then you go to God and you ask Him for it. And at the moment you ask for it, you receive it as if you already have it. And that's where most people miss it. They think that manifestation is the place of receiving. Oh no, oh no, not so. The place of receiving is after I ask, because I know I asked according to His will, because I went and found His word on it. Amen? I heard the word, it's the promise of God. I received faith to, to believe it, so as I believe it, I ask it right then is when I receive it. It's already, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I receive it right then. Do y'all get that? Is that revelation to you this morning? I receive it right then. And then I begin to confess His Word. I begin to thank Him for it. Father, I thank you. I believe I received. Like, let's just say you believe in God for a car. Like the time my, my car was messed up and it wasn't even safe to drive, I began to talk to my car and say, you are, I, I, I spoke to the car and said, you are not God's best for me. I call you replaced. And until you are replaced, you get me where I need to go with no stress, strain, or struggle. I went out and had a conversation with my car. I confess God's word over you. will take you where I need to go with no problems. I will not suffer any injury. I will get my new car. And I began to confess that I, was, I knew exactly what car I wanted. And I began to confess that, God, I thank you. It's your will um, to perfect everything that concerns me. If it, if it matters to me, it matters to you. Because what matters to you matters to me. Amen. What matters to God matters to me. I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto me. So I, I release my faith, faith for a car. So let's just say you release your faith for a car. You just begin to say, thank you, Father God. The, give them the make, the model, and the year. Or don't complain about what you did. You can be specific in your faith. Hallelujah. I had a picture of exactly what I wanted. I knew exactly what the clock looked like. I, I, I liked the shape of the new clock in the new car. And so I, I, I was using my faith to imagine myself in it, driving it. That's part of the, the meditation process, which I didn't put on here, but that is part of it. So write that out to the side. Meditation. Meditation. You confess the word and you meditate. You see yourself there. And then there's more hearing. You need to hear some more. And then you need to act on your faith. And then there's more hearing. And more confessing the word. And then there's endurance. And then there's patience. And then there's more hearing. More confessing the word. And then there's manifestation. Then there's rejoicing. Then there's glorifying God. Amen. You see how God gets glory in the process? But you're somewhere in that process right there. So the process is not complete until manifestation happens. But sometimes we give up and quit. When it's slow and coming, we think that means no. Ask Abraham. It was 20-some years before Isaac came. But Isaac came. Amen. So you've got to have patience. You've got to have endurance and keep working the process of faith. Amen. So number two, let's look at the power of prayer. As we're in this season of prayer, we're like seven days into it today. So let's look at the power of prayer. Number one, tremendous power is released when we pray. And we talked about that last week, how, how help from another world comes when we when we use our faith and we looked at all the different people who received help from another world david received help to to defeat a giant when he was just a just a little boy shepherd he defeated a nine foot giant that everybody else was hiding from because he said i come to you in the name of the lord of hosts he knew who he was he knew who god was and god gave him strength and grace and help to defeat a giant with a rock and a rat amen so when we pray, tremendous power comes from another world, from the unseen realm where God is. He sends help. He sends angels. 
prayer, tremendous power to release when we pray, power from another world, impacts my situations when I pray, and we invite God to get involved in our situations when we pray. James 5.16 says the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man, look what it does, makes tremendous power available, dynamic, and it's working. No, power has, to, I mean, prayer has the power to change things and change people. Um, I was reading this week about Smith Wigglesworth. Um, how many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth was? He was a preacher um, back, I think he died like in 1940-something, I think was when he passed away. I think, yeah, I think he was born like in the eight, late 1800s. But he was from England, and he had like a third grade edu education, really rough individual. Rough, and he was a plumber, and he was really kind of rough and coarse and rude. And his wife's name was Polly. You know, he, he was a great man of God, but he wasn't always a great man of God. He was a horrible man before he, before he got saved. He, his wife was saved, and she would go to church, and he didn't want her to go to church. When he didn't want her to go to church, and she'd go anyway, he'd get so furious, he'd lock the door and lock her out. So she would spend the night on the back porch, and in the morning, he would unlock the door and open it for her. And she'd come in, and she'd say, good morning, Smithy, and she'd bake breakfast for him. Say, oh, me, amen, or ouch. <laughs> but, but she would make breakfast for him. She would, be, she would be kind to him anyway. And she continued to pray for him. And God changed his heart. God changed his heart. God is able to get in and cause somebody's heart to be open to receive the things of God. The worst person, now it doesn't get much worse than a husband locking his wife out when she went to church. I mean, it can get worse than that. But you hear what I'm saying? God opened his heart and he changed it and, and, and made him into one of the greatest men of God. We still, if you haven't ever, ever Googled Smith Wigglesworth, Google him and read about his life and the miracles and things that he did. He was the man who would um, do things like snatch a corpse out of a casket. I was just listening this morning about how he walked into the, to the funeral, which was in the homes in those days, and they had closed the glass doors where the body was, you know, laid out there in the dining room. And this is, you know, this is back in the day, so they didn't do things like you do it today. And uh, he just walked in, and he, he was friends with the preacher that was going there. But everybody there didn't know who he was. And he was a tall man, but he just walked in and just, you know, didn't really look at, at much around him, but just went in behind the French doors into where the man was and grabbed him off the table and stood him against the wall. And took a few steps back and he said, I say, live in the name of Jesus. And the body slid down the wall. He went over and picked it up and put it against the wall again. He was really, he was really like violent when he would pray for people. But he put him against the wall again and stepped back and said, I said, you live in the name of Jesus. Slid down the wall again. By this time, everyone is horrified. He has snatched the man up off the table and put him against the wall. Horrified. How many of you would be horrified if you saw that happen? So he picks him up and he's mad by this time. And he grabs the corpse. He puts it in the corner against the wall. He said, I said to you, walk in Jesus' name. So he changed his confession. He grabbed the man by the arm and the man began to walk. There are 14 documented times that he raised the dead with his faith. With his faith. And there were many, many, many other things. If you just, I just encourage you to just go Google and see the things that he was able to do. Had no formal education, third grade education. But, but he, my point this morning is that he started as a man who was so mean he would even lock his wife out of, out of the house. 
But look at the power of prayer. Yeah. Look at the power that comes from another world. And I found this scripture this week that just really hit me like revelation. Acts 16, 14 says, Now a certain woman named Lydia heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshipped God. Now she worshipped God, but she, she hadn't opened her heart to receive the things of Jesus. So it says, The Lord opened her heart to heed and pay attention to the things spoken by Paul. I said, oh my God, look at that, how God, the Lord, opened her heart. There's a scripture that we can pray over our unsaved loved ones and declare, Father, he's no respecter of persons. What he does in, for one in principle, he's got to do for another. Or otherwise, he's a respecter of Lydia and Lydia's family. Amen. So we have, we have the power to take the scripture and say, Father, I thank you for every unsaved loved one that I have that's resisting the call of their life. It's resisting salvation. Father, I pray that you would open up their hearts to receive the things of God. Whoo, that's good. Ain't nobody mad but the devil. I'm excited if y'all just sit there and they'll say, that's fine. But if you care about your loved ones, that's a good scripture to pray. Amen? So tremendous power is released when we pray. And, and look here, we need to come correct. 2 Corinthians seven fourteen. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways. You can't have it both ways. You can't have it both ways. We can't sit on the fence and have one foot in and one foot out and call ourselves being a Christian or a child of God. I know we're all working out our own salvation with prayer and trembling, but I'm telling you, you know, there's a line drawn in the middle of the carpet. You've got to decide which side you're going to get on. You can't have it both ways. Turn, we have to turn from our wicked ways. Where there's no repentance, how can there be salvation? Yeah. You're still doing what you were doing. Amen. Yeah. Turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and heal their land. Tremendous power goes forth to heal our land. You know, Jesus told the parable of the unjust judge. This was an unjust judge. He didn't know God. He didn't care nothing about God. He didn't care about the things of God. And there was a certain widow who was going through. She was having some, some rough times and, and uh, some people who were turning against her. And so she comes and she starts knocking on the door of the unjust judge. He didn't want to get up. He didn't want to fool with this woman. He didn't want to fool with her. But she kept coming and she kept knocking. And uh, then finally, look what it says here when Jesus gave this. Um, she wearied the judge. You know why she wearied the judge? Because she knew he had the power to help her. Amen. You need to be weary in God. Because I know you've got the power to help me. I know that you're able to fix this situation. I know that you're able to send power from another from another place, from another world, from the unseen realm. You're able to send angels. You're able to send power. You're able to send favor to come and help me in this situation. God has the power to help us. So she wearied the judge because she knew he had power to help her. So we've got to be persistent in asking. Luke 18, 7 through 8, look at what Jesus said. And, and, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Speedily. That's a scripture you ought to call out before God. Father, I thank you that you're avenging me speedily, that my answer is coming speedily, that angels are coming quickly to, to help me in my situation. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? That's what he's looking for when he comes back is faith. Amen? Looking for us to have faith. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. So we're saying that she kept knocking because she knew the judge had the power to help her. And that's why we keep knocking. We know God's got the power to help us. Ephesians 3, 20. Now to him who is able to do 
exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that works in us. So what's that power? Faith. According to the power of faith that's working in us, God's able to do exceeding and abundantly above all we ask, think, dream, or imagine. And look what happened. To him be glory. Amen. We're talking about glorifying God. 2 Corinthians 9, 8. And God is what? He's what? God is able to make all, not just some grace, but God is able to make all grace abound towards you that you always, having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. That means the manifold grace of God, just what you need, right where you need it, right when you need it. Hallelujah. Number two, prayer is constantly asking God according to his word. Asking God. Asking God. I think maybe sometimes we forget to ask. But God says ask. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Ask and it might be given to you. This is very strong wording here. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who it will be opened. James 4, 2 through 3, it says you do not have because you do not ask God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7, be anxious for nothing but in something, in everything, by prayer and supplication, asking, with thanksgiving. Why do I thank him? Because I already received it. When I asked him, I received it, so I begin to thank him for it. It says, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Now, isn't that awesome when you give God something, you ask Him for it, you receive it, and then you can just go on and be in peace. Isn't that wonderful? What's the old song about um, everything to God in prayer? How what, a what a friend we have in Jesus. Somebody tell me the words. What a friend we have in What's the rest of it? Oh, what, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pains we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Come on, let the psalmist preach this morning. Hallelujah. First John 5, 14 through 15. Now, this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask. We know that we we already we already have it. I already received it when I asked, because I know I asked according to His will and according to His word. That we we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. Hallelujah! John fifteen seven through eight. If you abide, remain in me, and my words abide, remain in you. You will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. That's powerful. If you stay in me and my words stay in you, you'll ask me what you will, what you desire, and it shall be done because you, you know the parameters of his word. You know the will of God because you know his word. And then look what happens. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So how do you bear that, that fruit and how is he glorified? Because you ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. When we're releasing our prayers, 
Heaven releases the answer. God releases the answer. And God is glorified when he gets the answer. Amen. You know, we, I was uh, praying with Roy Lee and Sherry about a judgment that had come against Roy Lee because you do inspections on houses. No, I'm a real estate appraiser. Appraiser. And they did not like the value that I got. So the lady was very dark for me. She attacked me personally sent a letter to the state of Texas and told him to reject my license. Woo! To fully investigate me. He said, you know, about the way, he said he was going to pray about me. I told Sally, I really wasn't that upset over because, you know, God has my back. Well, we prayed and we declared no weapon formed against you shall prosper and every tongue that rises up against you in judgment is condemned already. Every courtroom lie will be exposed. Amen. Email the mistake. All they can say was dismissed. Woo!
For the one who wavers and hesitates and doubts is like the billowing surge out at sea that is blown hither and thither, however you say that, and tossed by the wind. For truly let not such a person imagine that he will receive anything he asks for from the Lord. For being as he is, a man of two minds, double-minded, hesitating, dubious, irresolute, he is unstable and unreliable and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, and decides. Woo, so you can't doubt. Hunt your neighbor with your elbow and say, you can't doubt. So how does doubt come? Doubt comes by the fiery darts. Fiery darts. The fiery darts that are right here. The battlefield is in your mind. The battlefield is right here. And so this is where we stay in faith is in our mind. Ephesians 6.16 it says, above all, taking the shield of with which you will be able to do what? Quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Now, what are the fiery darts? Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. He comes with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all he can do. Then it's up to you to take the thought. And the Bible says, take no thought saying. Take no thought saying. See, when you take the thought of doubt from the enemy and you say it, you give life to your doubt and you cancel your receiving. Y'all see that this morning? So take no thought. you got to take those thoughts captive. 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says, casting down arguments. He comes to argue with you the same way he argued with Eve. Has God not said? To see if you really know what God said and how strong you are on it. That's why in the process of faith, you got to do some more here. And then you got to do some more here. And then do some confession of God's word. And then do some more here. And amen. you got to keep on here until you keep the shield of faith. Up over your head. So when these fiery darts come, they fall lifeless to the ground. You have to recognize it as a thought that's come from the enemy to get you out of faith. And then you take that thought captive. And see what it says. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity. So every thought of doubt and unbelief, you ain't never going to get it. Nobody in your family ever graduated college. You might as well give up. Nobody in our family's ever been a homeowner. We've all been renters. So you might as well just keep on. Just go look for another rental. Stop looking at houses to buy. That's doubt coming in. You, you ain't never going to get that car. You, you know your credit is messed up. You're not going to be able to get that car. When God can raise that favor for you, you got to take that thought and say, I'm buying that thought, even if it's true. Buy, buying that thought in the name of Jesus. I'm believing the supernatural, not the natural. Amen. Amen. Alright, so now let's look at this. I want to leave you with this. The authority of his name. The power and the authority of his name. Number one, the power and authority of the name of Jesus rightfully belongs to us as born again believers. We are ambassadors for Christ. That means he's left us here to do business on behalf of the kingdom. The kingdom of God. So he's given us power of attorney to use his name. And that name is not like any other name that's ever been named. So Matthew 28, 18, Jesus said, all authority. How much? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Look at this. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. Therefore God exalted him. Because why? Why did God exalt him? Because he humbled himself. He came in the form of man and he gave his life as a ransom and he died on the cross. He died a criminal's death, a shameful death, naked. They always show him with that little cloth on, but he was naked. 
hanging on the cross, a shameful prisoner, criminal's death. He says, hanging between two thieves. He humbled himself so low. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, come on y'all, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. That means everything demonic, anything in principality, any power. When you speak the name of Jesus, see we can't be loose with the name of Jesus. We can't say Jesus Christ when you stub your toe or whatever. That's, just, that's worse than cursing. We don't take his name in vain. We do, we do not handle his name like it's just a common thing. The name of Jesus has so much power behind it. When you speak the name of Jesus, it's the name above every name in heaven, every name on earth, and every name under the earth. So at the name of Jesus, knees start bowing. Says, and God has given the name that's above every name. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There's so much power behind that name that you can't play with it. You can't play with it. John 16, 23 through 24, he says, And in that day, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father... Come on, y'all, help me preach. Whenever you ask the Father in my name, He will give you. Whenever you ask the Father in my name, you have the right to come before God with all that I am and all that I have and everything that I've done. When He sees you, He sees the name of Jesus. He sees what Jesus has done, the power that's available, the blood that cries out on our behalf on the mercy seat. Woo, that's why we seek, we get mercy when we go to God. Amen? Because it's Jesus. It's in the name of Jesus that causes us to be able to come near to God. Hallelujah. So he sees, he said, whenever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be full. I just want you to be happy, Jesus. I just want, why don't you just ask me so I can just make you full of joy. Oh my God, I'm getting happy today. Number two, handle his name with reverence and care. Exodus 20 and verse 7, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Don't play with the name of Jesus. It's too holy. It's too precious. It's too high. It's too amazing. It, it's, it's just it's just too. It's not even a word for it. It's just so powerful. You've got to really know that when you say in the name of Jesus, I declare healing over you, that all that Jesus did to make that possible is there. Hallelujah. Mark 16. So, so let's see, number three. Supernatural signs are done in his name. He said the supernatural signs would follow the believers in his name. He said in his name these signs would go forth. He gave us the authority to use his name. He said go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. And then, then the very next thing he says is that these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, in my name they will cast out demons. Demons tremble when you speak the name. If you can see what happens in the spirit realm, demons tremble. You resist them. they got to flee. They run away in terror.
terror. Will you resist him with the name of Jesus? And for those of you who are thinking, I hear somebody right now in the streets thinking our demons ain't real. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, yes, they are. And so are angels. And there are more angels than there are demons. So they're always outnumbered. Amen? And we will always win in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. So he says, in my name, they will cast out demons. See, Jesus came to give us authority. And so he's given us his name. And everything that, that backs up that name is behind it. So they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. That doesn't mean that we're going to go handle snakes. You know, that, that's not what we're doing. But uh, we won't ever be doing that. You see him coming with the basket and the snake in here. It's going to be a rubber snake. And just for an illustration, but there ain't never going to be no snakes up in here. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. But it was like when Paul went to go preach in, in, I believe, the island of Malta. He went to go preach and he stuck his hand into some wood and into the fire and, and, and a snake latched onto his hand. And he shook it off and they were watching and waiting to see how quick he was going to die. But he didn't die and he lived and he was able to really preach the word of God. He didn't know that knowing it was supernatural because he, they saw the viper on his hand and he didn't die. So that's, that's what God is saying right here. He says, um, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it'll by no means hurt them. That doesn't mean we're going to drink Kool-Aid spiked with Clorox just to prove that God is, is who he is. We're not putting God to a foolish test. But this is for people who, you know, I heard a story about some uh, preachers who they used to keep a rain barrel. Um, next to the porch and, and boy that rain barrel was just the best water to drink back in the day and this is way back in the day and there was a guy who who hated this preacher who hated God and everything about him and he put poison in that water and they didn't know it and so they were drinking that water on the porch you know on the, the cool of an afternoon and the guy was standing back in the bushes just waiting to see him get sick or drop dead or whatever was going to happen they never got sick and you know the guy was so convicted by what he did and that they lived and didn't die that he went and ran up on the porch and said I'm so sorry I'm so sorry and fell down on his knees and they led him to the Lord and uh, right there was this scripture in action amen they do you think that by no means hurt them amen they will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus said all these things would happen in his, in his name. James 5, 14 through 15. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. And let him pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. What's the Lord's name? Jesus. Jesus. And the prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. Amen. Number four. There is protection in his name. There is protection in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. The Bible says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous do what? Run to it and are saved. You know the coronavirus. You know coronavirus, you got to bow to the name of Jesus. I declare in the name of Jesus, there will be no plague that will come nigh my dwelling. In Jesus, in the name of Jesus, the word is alive and powerful and able to see coronavirus on down the road or just stop and die in Jesus' name. So they call the coronavirus 2019 NCOV. That, that's the coronavirus call letters, the, the scientific letters. So we got something for it. PS-91. We, we got something. We got something for you, Corona. It's called Psalm 91. Hallelujah. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High. Come on, read it with me. We'll find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. 
this I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night, nor the error that flies in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness, nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though ten thousand are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home. For he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up in their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. What do you say? I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Can somebody